Hey everybody, it's Ian King, founder of King Sports International, author of a number of books on training and innovator of training methods used throughout the world. In today's huddle we're going to be talking about an area which is less spoken about, it's a road less travelled, which is something that we do well, it's within our area of holism, we're going to be talking about the financial future for physical preparation. And I think it's a really pertinent topic because We've been through a number of years of what we call the global financial crisis and challenges in finance. And for many people, there may be a perception that it's over. Uh, with, the, with the Dow Jones rising to up, to, up to new highs and real estate in some countries starting to return, etc., there's a perception that the, the good times are back. So I think it's pretty pertinent to address this topic again. And as I said from the outset, that this alone will, will make the audio uh, less listened to because majority of people think that they're going to live off of sets and reps for the rest of their life. And we'll talk about why that's not necessarily going to be the case, but I understand that when people are young and, and narrow in their focus that this is not necessarily a popular topic. But that doesn't stop us. It's something we believe is an important topic and it was all part of our, our holistic approach and another example of the way we lead the world in holism in physical preparation. So, talking about money, keeping in context that physical preparation coaches, as a general comment, are pretty low income earners. The average income globally in, in the various disciplines within physical preparation is typically around $36,000 a year. I'm not sure how one sustains on that, but I guess I've been there as a low income earner in the early days and um, it, it, it's one thing to be there and, and move through that phase, but it's another thing to stay there. So let's get some. Uh, we'll get some some input from the coaches as we we go through here. But there's two things we're going to be addressing. We're going to be addressing it generally what's the financial future of physical preparation coaches. At uh, more also, I want to be talking about what's the immediate broader finance uh, picture hold for the global global economic future or the global economic um, picture as we move into the next few years. So just a quick bit of history. Um, America is one of the one of the greatest economies in the world. I don't need to tell you that. And, uh, responsible for in excess of fifty percent of, of, of global wealth, generally speaking, uh, of, of definitely of consumerism, etc. But as a country has been experiencing challenges financially for a number of years now, as has Europe and a number of other countries where potentially the populations are shrinking, and and that does, in my opinion, impact people in physical preparation. I, I believe it's naive to assume that we're de devoid or um, excluded from the impact that has on the, the money in people's hip pocket, the disposable income of the average person, or the ability for companies to sponsor sporting teams, etc. So uh, let's address this um, with our first question to the coaches and what do you see as being the impacts in the last, uh, say, five to seven years of the global downturn, in, in, in economically speaking, on physical preparation? Has that impacted the, what you've seen and, and what are the, some of the impacts that you've seen from the, the global economic downturn that many people think is over? But let's just address the last five to seven years. How, has you seen, how have you seen that impact the physical preparation industry? I've seen it impacted a couple of ways. Firstly, from a sports sporting point of view, is 
is there's probably more coaches now working for less money, uh, relatively speaking, than they used to. And you're talking about the elite coaches too, Mitchell. We're not just talking about amateur coaches. We're talking about coaches working in elite sporting programs. Yeah, we're talking about full-time coaches working full-time with squads, teams, institutions, whatever. And we're talking um, about head coaches and assistant coaches. We're not talking near, near just their physical preparation coaches. Exactly. We're talking people who are in full-time positions in coaching in institutions and in professional sport. And I'd suggest that um, the, the, the money flow was tightened quite significantly. I'd suggest also that the, the job security and the need for income, because they're all addicted to the paycheck, as Kiyosaki would say, um, has gone up as well. And I've, se- I've seen that personally through coaches who... You know, work with certain teams, or um, and then have to move another state, another country, whatever happens to be, to retain a similar kind of position, a similar kind of paycheck. And ultimately, they're just chasing paychecks because they're addicted to the paycheck. So that's one thing I've seen. The second thing I've seen is um, people, teams having less money to employ people because whether it's coaches or support staff, whatever, simply because the sponsorship dollar is not quite there. And um, in, in, I, I note now that some sporting teams are going as far, you know, they're going overseas into Asia, China, etc., to, to look to seek sponsorship dollars um, to keep their businesses going. And it wouldn't surprise me in the next couple of years that you'll see some teams and clubs fold simply because they cannot stay above, uh, keep their head above water financially. So it's having a large impact um, on everyone whose sole income is through is through um, sport and that area. So I was having this conversation with a with a recently retired athlete about seven eight years ago, and I said they were moving into into the position of of basically uh, attracting sponsorships for their sporting code on their sporting team. And I said, Geez, you're you're really walking into a storm on this one because things are really going to turn down for you now." And, and this was a time where it hadn't happened yet, and I, I don't think he believed me but I'm sure he's believing me since. Because basically what you're saying, as I alluded to before, is that as companies have less disposable income themselves, their profit margins are reduced. They're more frugal with their dollar and less inclined to to make sport sponsorship as high in the priority list as they did. And if the head coach's income is being reduced, do you think that's going to reduce the income of the physical preparation coach? Of course. In essence, if the, the, the strength and issue coach, call it what you want, his income is going to be tied as a percentage of the head coaches. It'll be unusual to, to see where that doesn't occur. I mean, sure, there are exceptions, but generally speaking, that would occur. So if you're talking about head coaches having reduced income or lacking in, in security in terms of being confident of their next contract, they must be having a massive impact on physical preparation coaches who, in essence, may have had a higher income in the past. Now they're working for less. And all the having to move from state to state, from city to city, just to, to keep uh, the family food on the table. Yeah, so- two other points just on that is, number one, I've seen a number of these physical preparation coaches specifically attach themselves with with uh, educational institutions, usually universities, in some sort of lecturing position as a form of job security. I see that as a trend that's very dominant in the last five to seven years in this industry. So they've got... You know, one toe in the alleged training of athletes and the other toe in the institution so that, um, you know, when the training side of things dries up or they're found out, depending on what way you want to look at it, um, they've got something to fall back on. So I'm seeing that as a common thing. And the 
third thing I'm seeing is the amount of marketing happening amongst physical preparation coaches and in that area is just through the roof. I mean, it's unbelievable the claims that they need to make in order to attract people to their websites and through the door and able to make ends meet as well. So they're the two other points. And we're we're jumping around on topics here a little bit, but I want to expand upon a few things that you said there. But I do want to come back and and grab an insight from some of the coaches on the impact of the global downturn on more of the personal training market because we've just spoken about that from the professional end and also we'll, we'll get some insights from the collegiate end. But to, just to touch upon something you've raised there, the, uh, how many physical preparation coaches could make a solid living exclusively with athletes without being employed by an, a, a major team or an institution? So no, no uh, if they weren't employed by a, a, a sports team on a solid annual contract, so a fixed salary... But if they weren't employed by an institute of sport or a similar institution, and we're excluding any income from institutes of education, be the high schools, colleges, the universities, how many physical preparation coaches can confidently make six figures and know where their money's coming from in the years to come on athletes alone? I think that's the dream for a lot, but I don't think I think it'd be less than one percent. It'd be a fraction of it'd be a fraction of one percent. And I think you touched on it too, Ian, in, in that 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 window of opportunity. So even even within that um, that small percentage that may be able to, to do what you just outlined, um, but what's their future? What's their future when they get into ages of 45, 50, and 60 years old? It's doubtful, I believe, for them to generate the the necessary income in the window of time that they have currently um, to be able to sustain them later in life. So in other words, what's happening with their retirement? What's happening with with their golden years? What happens when they bring on a family and have to pay for their children's education? Um, I think that's a whole that's a whole other topic, just in and of itself, because um, very few of them would even lack the skills to be able to plan that far ahead. Yeah, it's a very powerful point, and that's something the industry is so young and so naive about that there's going to be some reality checks, unfortunately, and I certainly don't celebrate that for so many people coming through the age ranks in physical preparation at the moment. So personally, I've been around a while and I don't really know of too many people at all, if any, that could stand alone in the marketplace, uh, generate an in excess of six-figure income from servicing athletes in the absence of uh, a contract from a sporting team or being employed by an institution. So we'll come back and talk about that point alone uh, later in the call. Mike, from a from a college perspective, Mitchell's given us some insights into the impact of the global downturn over the last, you know, five to um, seven years on the money and professionally in a sport as it impacts physical preparation coaches. What is your observations about the, the downturn on the impact at the college level? The impact at the college level is that that um, well, number one, you're paid. You're paid on on what you're valued at. Um, so, outside of an institution, you have to have a personal value on on what it is that you do, and that that um, that helps you out in the marketplace. But when you go to work for an institution, you're being you're being judged. You're being determined what your value is by that institution. Um, that'll vary for in different areas of the country. Um, but for the most job, the majority of the strength and conditioning or, or physical preparation jobs at the collegiate level would be just would fall in line with um, what you've already mentioned, Ian, in around 36000 to to 50000 on average. 
Now you've got you've got a, a higher percentage there that may be up into the six figure area. Um, they may have job security, uh, but at the higher divisions, it's not likely because your your value is actually determined by the coaching staff, not necessarily by the by the um, the collegiate department. If you know what I'm saying, usually there's there's one governing sport within the department, um, and that's essentially who you're be, you're being employed by. So when the school or when the institution loses value on that particular coach, um, your job's in jeopardy as well. So there's, I think the job security aspect of it is a is a farce. Um, so even tied into a into an institution, there's the uh, there's the thought, there's the theory that you've got job security, but you don't really. And what about funding in the college level? Over the last five or seven years, have you seen an increase in the amount of money being available to spend, or a decrease, generally speaking? There'd be a decrease, generally speaking. Um, there are more and more there are more and more grants and that kind of thing for college. For um, for I'll put it this way: college education has literally doubled, tripled, and even quadrupled um, in the last, say, fifty years. The cost of it. Uh, the cost of it, yes. Um, so you're finding that they're competing for a, a population of student. Um, they're competing oftentimes for the same population of students, so they they're dealing in a volume uh, a volume based business, uh, and that volume is being watered down because more and more people are going to um, lower and lower cost institutions. So they're competing on they're competing on volume and they're re- competing on price, and the price keeps dropping down. So if the price keeps dropping down, um, eventually it's going to trickle down to the coaches in that department, and they're going to be cutting wages. Um, I've heard example over a 20-year period, it'd be pretty rare that you get more than a, a cost of living increase of of, uh, of more than three to four percent. Per year. Where's the? Sorry, go ahead. Per year. Per year. Well, that's, that's so you, so that's and that's barely the the cost of inflation. So you're you're actually losing money the longer you're there. And that's reported inflation, which I don't believe is accurate. I believe the inflation figures are are um, shall we say altered to create a perception that you know anybody living on the planet with a heartbeat and a, and, and uh, costs would know that the rate of cost increase is far in excess of the inflation figures being provided. So. Uh, I've got my question marks about the accuracy of reporting of inflation, and then no doubt in my mind that not only in physical preparation but most incomes, most occupations, the income growth does not m- maintain pace with the cost of living growth. I agree. So I've certainly over the last five seven years noticed uh, some of the comments that you've said to me as far as when uh, you know there's someone in the in the penny pinching budget side of the college is coming at you saying you know we've got to watch this we've got to cut back on this and scrutinising it etc cetera, etc cetera. you know we we know they've been constricting in their income they've been contracting so let's move and get some insights into the personal training end of the market so some might say well this and the downturn has affected the personal trainers might have affected the pro sports because of the the Company sponsorship is harder to get, or less. Uh, the college income has been reduced, etc. But what about um, personal training end of the market? Do you, how has the downturn globally in the last five seven years impacted the personal training market as far as income potential for a personal trainer? You know, I can yeah. give you my. Pre- Go ahead, Carl. It would definitely have an effect. So there's, it will be dealt with in, in 
one of two ways. Either the, the trainer will reduce their fee because that's often people's challenge or reduce the amount of sessions they work with their potential clients. And that leads to them, if they uh, change the fee, they have to work more hours to earn what they were working before. Or if they uh, work less hours per client, they've got to work on generating a new client. So that would be the, the biggest hang-up. But there will definitely be an effect for uh, all concerned. So you already mentioned college and the sporting clubs, and it will definitely be the same. I know quite a lot of people involved in the industry, and they're, I guess they're hustling a lot more, moving out to cheaper facilities. So that way I guess they're cutting their, their running costs. Uh, and, again, just – I guess it's always been the way, but yeah, working a lot more hours to deal with it and looking for other ventures. So I guess often their, their way of leverage now is running more uh, cost-effective groups, etc., but um, not really optimal for the client or probably for the service, but just ways they're looking to combat the uh, the reality facing most. And one of the strategies I've noticed is to make the, the, their services more in brackets uh, affordable has been moving into the group training, which means that they're having to get a larger number of people and, and that the administrative dealings and the marketing to bring a larger number of people to give them a smaller cost per service. So, uh, you know, it's been well popularised, this small group training stuff, but it doesn't make your job any easier and it doesn't increase your income uh, to any great extent. Exactly. But, yeah, that is the, the, the current trend and uh, I guess they'll, they'll do that until they figure out it isn't really the best or most viable option and then they'll, they'll look for the next golden goose. So I guess that's the impersonal side of personal training, and that's a joke. I think, I think, I think <laughs> yeah, exactly. Quite ironic, you know, the term personal training, but we, we, we provide group training. Something, Ian, I could add to that. From my experience of working in a, a commercial gym is, you know, the, in the past, the money isn't there, just like the teams don't have money now in sports, but the, the average client doesn't have the same money. And like Carl was saying, there's, there's trainers are working more hours or stuffing more clients in and overlapping. And what I saw a lot of uh, personal trainers do would be, you know, erase a name on a board and put the new client's name on top of the board. And that was the, like you said, the personalization. Oh, that's a common strategy. And that applies in all levels in sport right up to the elite level where the only difference between person athlete A's program and athlete B program is the name on the top of the, the program sheet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really funny when they forget to wipe that out and put put. Uh, they give the old, they give the the wrong name to the wrong person. But anyway, yeah, that's, that's not going to change because that would require skill. So it would would appear from everyone's feedback that there there are the impact of the global downturn over the last five seven years has has been broad and and, and all encompassing as far as all levels of the physical preparation industry goes. And I certainly that's certainly been my observation and my conclusion. And it's certainly not been aided by the expanding number of service providers in the industry. It seems to be like personal training these days is like hairdressing was pre, pre-2000, where if you couldn't get a job, you'd do a quick course in hairdressing and offer your services. So it's amazing how many people are inverted commas personal trainers while they work to, work to figure out what they want to do with their, for a real job. Uh, that's not me saying it's a, not a real job, but that's the perspective I suggest they're taking. So that, that's what the, the, the immediate past is, help for us but let's let's move forward let's talk about the future now there's a perception that the, that the we're beyond green shoots now the economy is recovered and if you look at the some of these stock indices you, you'd suggest that it's obviously back to where it was 
some of the house prices in different parts of the world are back up to where they were pre-GFC or pre-the global financial crisis. So there's a perception that it's all good moving forward and we're about to go through another boom period. So if that was the case and all the physical preparation cases should relax and everything's going to go back to normal, uh, they'll get heaps of work, their income's going to come, etc. But what are your th- thoughts, coaches? Are we about to go through another boom? Are we, are we heading back up into the inverted commas, the good times? What do you reckon, Mitchell? I'd suggest not. Um, I think we've just had a period of unravelling and with the, with the GFC and um, we've obviously, since Nixon took money off the gold, the dollar off the gold standard, we've just been printing more and more of it. And um, you don't mention the US economy before. They hold trillions and trillions of dollars of debt. They can't even pay the interest back on the debt, let alone the principal on the debt. So it's a scary time. We've had a period of unravelling, and some may even say we're going into inverted commas crisis. And um, I know people might say that's a little bit over the top, but um, you you can't continue to 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 pump up the economy. Governments can't continue to pump up the economy um, with with you know just keep printing money and not and for it not to have an impact. It's kind of like a you know, someone being high on drugs and they just never come down, they never have the crash. And um, I'd suggest we're heading there. And um, instead of being fearful of it, seize an opportunity to really improve your skill set and really add value to people. Because if you can make money and do well in the upcoming, in the next, you know, say loosely to the end of the 20, end of the 2020s, um, you can survive in any economy and do well. So what you're saying, Mitchell, and I know a lot of people like and want to hear this, you're saying the economy isn't actually recovering. We may actually be heading into more challenges in the immediate future, some, big, some biggies, and that, in fact, the, the winter could be with us through to the late 1920s. To late 2020s, yeah, exactly. And, I, again, I just it's just a perspective, um, and I, I do believe this is the case. And, again, like even if it wasn't the case, you're still going to do well if things are better. But if you're not prepared for this you're going to really, really hurt. So um, be prepared for the worst and you'll be able to expect the best. Well, as I said, it's not going to be real popular for people to hear that because they don't want to believe that that would be a possibility. But if it was, uh, if, we, if we are heading for further challenges or extended periods of challenges, as we refer to in, in the word the winter, uh, I'd say, say that the skill set held by majority of physical preparation will guarantee they'll be doomed, economically speaking, because I, I don't see a, a skill set or a mindset of, of, of embracing change or adopting um, you know, new skills that would survive them in what is often referred to as the new economy that we're in. And I, I liken it to the, the, the motor vehicle manufacturing industry, and as a bit of a country music fan, I enjoyed John Rich's um, music, the song, They're Shutting Detroit Down. Uh, a nice little tune there, John, thank you. Um, John Rich's song. The... The manufacturing industry in, in the Western world, with the cost of labour, is outpriced it in the, in the global sense, and, and there's been a lot of reluctance to acknowledge that. And people who hang, who hang on to old-world skills and hope that they're going to stay the same are the ones I suggest are going to get hurt the most. So if people are doing the same old, same old in physical preparation and taking the same old, same old advice, and we'll come back to that hopefully later in the call about, well, how do you deal with it? Because there's a lot of... Um, Aged, there's a lot of out-of-date suggestions that I believe are being peddled as to how a physical preparation coach is going to become, inverted commas, successful. 
Uh, I want to come back and touch upon that pretty heavily. Does anyone else have any feelings about what the immediate future or even the, you know, the medium to long-term future of the broader economy is going to be like? Yeah, something I noticed, Ian, was, you know, something I learned from a very wise man was to study the, the town and the country you, you travel through and, and compare to year to year. So I've been traveling to one location in the United States for the past five five years, and uh, this year I noticed a significant difference in the quality of the automobiles in the uh, in the city and surrounding area, as well as it is in a decline of the quality. And then also the homelessness, a uh, number of homeless people in the area were, were probably about tripled. And then uh, the airports were much quieter in, uh, and having even specific areas in the airport shut down altogether. So those are a few things noticeable. And that's, uh, and that's a, a very important skill I, I teach, that you go and read the market by looking at what's happening. And I certainly have used that to my advantage um, in traveling different countries and, and being able to read the directions. And one of the things you'll do is you drive down the street and you count how many police signs on buildings or for sale signs on houses to get an insight into in how the, the economy is traveling from, from those sectors at least. So... Any additional insights into the future, economic future? Where do you think the world's going, economically speaking, in the short term? So, Mike... It's been put as, um, I guess, the 21st... Business of the 21st century, so things are definitely shifting, whereas we had the, I guess, the agricultural age and we shifted to the industrial age... And there's still a lot of people in that old school way of thinking, whereas I think now is that time for shifting. So those who've made that money in that old economy may struggle if they're not willing to adapt. And I think that will definitely spread to all facets, including physical preparation, be it athletes or or personal training. So I think uh, if if those aren't willing to adapt and learn the new skills of the new economy, they, they will definitely struggle. And it's probably appropriate we get on to talk about the solutions. But on that point, one of the greatest retailers of white goods in Australia had the biggest chain, one of the biggest market shares of white goods, and his market share has been significantly undermined by someone distributing white goods over the internet. So it's an example of the new methods versus the old methods and the, and the willingness or otherwise to, to adapt to the new ways. So to summarise it so far, you know, we, we, we believe that the last five, seven years has had an impact on the economics of the physical preparation coach, irrespective of whether the industry wants to talk about it or not, irrespective of whether there's any education or awareness shown on this, and I suggest there isn't. I don't know who that's serving, but there is a complete absence of financial education in physical preparation, absolute zero. So we're sticking our heads in the sand, that's fantastic, but you're going to have to stick your heads in the sand for a few more years or, or longer because according to this group, we have an expectation that the financial challenges in the broader market will continue for another 5 to 15 years. So if you are surviving by putting your head in the sand and hoping it's going to go away, you're probably going to struggle for oxygen. And over and above that, over the next 5 to 15 years, you've got to become 5 to 15 years older. And it's not going to necessarily get easier for you to create income as you age. At the same time, you may have increased financial responsibilities through children, etc. And then there's the cost of living rise. So 
I suggest that there are major challenges ahead for all. So let's talk about solutions. I want to summarise very briefly some of the solutions that, that are being promoted to physical preparation coaches today. What are some of the solutions for you to be inverted commas successful? And before we go any further, let's define success. And I, I learned this um, through, you know, through watching the behaviour of certain, and I couldn't believe it, uh, but I had to accept it after I, I saw the evidence to support it, that in the first instance, the definition of success in physical preparation is how many people know who you are. So in the internet age, if you can go on and you can lie, steal and cheat and bullshit and you get more people following you in social media or on your, on your pages, etc., that's success. Now, I don't know about you, but that, try changing that at the grocery store for food. Um, so the definition of success in physical preparation is one I, I question anyway, but over and above that, what are some of the the more popular methods that people are teaching. I mean, I've seen people travel overseas to learn these incredible business building techniques. So what are some of these techniques that people are teaching that are going to be their saviour in physical preparation? Open a gym. Open a gym. That's, that's got to be the number, one, the number one dream, the number one recommendation, and probably why it explains why there's a personal training facility opening on every corner of every street of every suburb in every town and every city of the world. So let's go through that real slowly. How many people do you know that have become financially independent and, and, and are sleeping well at night because they now own a gym? Zero. Any other takers on that one? No, I know. I remember a, a great story here in Australia where one of the one of the biggest rising companies um, was uh, coming up through there and. I won't name them, but let's just say they've had to close a few stores recently. Uh, in, in summary, I don't know too many people who have achieved time and financial freedom by opening a training facility. I know a hell of a lot of them have created a pretty big burden. So I'm not telling you not to do it. I'm just suggesting that before you go and pay somebody to give you the advice that you should go and open a personal training facility and here's a template for how you can run your personal training facility and, and live the dream, I think you need to have a real close look at that bullshit. Because I don't know too many people living the dream running a facility. You know, and I'll add to that. If if they if they do get to the point where they, they are financially free, they're, they're probably so far removed from the actual coaching aspect that they would no longer be considered a coach anyways. In other words, they're, they're great marketers and administrators. Exactly. And if it all, if it all turns pear-shaped tomorrow, they'll struggle to get work in their original inverted commas craft. So I, I, I do know that this is a strategy that's been promoted. You can pay thousands of dollars and go to courses and they'll teach you how to do this. This is a phenomenal... This is, this is the dream, and as I said, I've been around a while, I haven't seen too many people living that dream. I've seen a lot of people spending the money on that dream. What's the other... There's one other... I'll stand by the people I've talked to. Well, there's two more we'll do. But what's it? We've talked about owning a facility. What's the second one? That's still a bit of tradition to it. Employed people. Employed people. Employing people. So the, the owning of a facility and the employment of people. Which industry or which its era in the world's history are we drawing from to talk about these? Industrial. Very industrial age. Look at my big building. It's like the exhaust pipe on a man's car. That's another story. 
Look at my big building and look at how many people I employ. I actually enjoyed Brendan Bouchard talking about how very few people were in, was in his employment and compared to his turnover. And here's an example of someone who's doing some new age business models. He's an internet marketer. So have you seen anybody become financially free and living the dream because of their employment of trainers? No. Nope. Nope. Nobody. That's a surprise. Because that's a, that that along with owning the facility, the the two the two old standbys that people are going to do to to solve their problems as they get older and they're tired of working or they want to make more money in the industry. Now, <coughs> there has been a new one came along with the information age, especially post um, you know post two thousand when one particular. Uh, personal trainer who I suggest couldn't couldn't su- succeed as a personal trainer turned his attention to sales and marketing and became very good at sales and marketing but I'm not sure whether selling crappy product is actually good but um, since certain things were promoted what is another avenue that people have been led to believe that's going to s- save them economically speaking as a physical preparation coach writing an ebook yeah just do an ebook but I have sat with a former athlete Olympian, athlete, uh, a great athlete, pleasure to work with. And they told me how they spent upwards around $10,000 to produce their e-book through courses, etc., etc., and didn't sell a single one. So I don't need any more evidence. I mean, I've seen it time after time after time. At the end of the day, very few people are going to make a residual income out of their book sales. I have a fairly close relationship with a number of genuine top-selling authors. I mean, I mean genuine top-selling. Not everybody says I'm a top-selling author, which is absolute crap. I'm, I'm talking about, in one instance, uh, an author who, who is recognised as having the number one bestseller in the industry during a certain decade, and I've seen him struggle. So I don't know how selling an e-book as a standalone product or even a series of ebooks is going to help you live the dream. There may be some leverage in it, but I don't think it's going to save you. Any other comments on achieving the dream through the popular myth of selling the ebook? I think Mike touched on uh, lying, cheating, stealing as well in there. Yeah, well, I think we've seen a rise of that because. There's, there's so so um, basically a lot of lazy people who, who think that they can make money the easy way. There's going to be a shortcut to becoming financially independent, and the, probably the easiest way is to get the control control C control V button working on your keyboard. And I personally um, I know certain people who are very very good at that, and uh, no doubt they've created a little bit of short term income. But you know when they get exposed for you know, what they are, you know, is there anything left? I mean, apart from a shattered reputation a solid reputation, there's certainly no income from that. So I understand the temptations of the Control-C, Control-V in the internet age to, to rapidly produce an e-book. You know, in fact, I think it's quite ironic. If you've got all the online products that people sell, the books, DVDs, etc., and you've got line them up over the last 10 to 15 years, I reckon you'd almost have a, 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 a in physical preparation alone, some of them would almost go up the Empire State Building. There are some whose, whose products are so crappy that within six months they've got no market value whatsoever. Once the hype of marketing is gone, and guess what? They have to reinvent again another crappy product. 
or go and reinvent a new chapter. Oh, I've changed my mind about the content of chapter X. So the, the, the temptation to, to rapidly produce an e-book through plagiarism or through ideas that you don't even believe in or don't even do, I, I, I certainly counsel against. So great point, Ryan. So let's, let's turn our attention now to, to one other strategy that physical preparation coaches are very good at doing to anchor their income. And Mitchell referred to it earlier on. You want to go there again, Mitchell? Yeah, sure. Um, the oh, just it's escaped me. Sorry. We we talked about you know getting to a university, you know, employed by a school or university. Yeah, exactly. Um, coaches are, will go and get postgraduate degrees or become teachers at, at academic institutions as, as a way to as a plan B or backup to ensure their long term income. And this is. Um, this is considered an, a, a great thing. I mean, we're encouraged to go to school, get an education, and get a good, steady job. It's what 95% of the world do, and it's what's encouraged. So um, people may think it's funny that we actually uh, – we're not critical of that. We just highlight it as a path that people take, but it's it's not a path that can give you autonomy. It's not a path that can give you freedom in this life. It's not a path that can give you choice in life. Um, and it's, it's a common one that's done in physical preparation, and I only see an increase at the rate at which it's happening, um, and I think that'll continue to increase. So we're talking about someone getting a base income from the high school, from the college, from the university, in some regard, be it a lecturer or, or a consultant, and then dabbling. So they have that feeling of being exposed to the sport outside it. So that's, that's another one, but um, I think that's pretty soul-destroying. Uh, despite the fact that it would be the number one fallback plan for fit for physical preparation coaches, at least in Australia. So we've gone through. We've talked about the last five or seven years has been pretty tough years from the global financial perspective. We've talked about some of the strategies that that have been typically used by physical preparation coaches when they realise that they need to secure their financial future, and we've talked about what, what we believe the future holds for the global economy as well as physical preparation coaches and I suggest that apart from the fact that the health industry is an expanding industry one of the probably three in the world that are expanding that despite the expansion of the health industry I'm not completely rosy about the, the, the condition for the average physical preparation coach moving forward we've talked about the typical solutions so just to clarify what I teach coaches and physical preparation coaches is I teach them how to be comp- uh, develop a level of competence such that they will never be out of work, that they will always be able to sustain more than enough income without having any ties to any team or institution. They'll be able to have a predominantly athlete client base and never be out of work, as long as well as teach them other strategies to leverage their income so that if they choose also to have time freedom or if they choose to live a higher quality of life, which might be as simple as sending their kids to a private school or sending their paying their kids you know, college tuition, etc., that they have that option as well. And I'm pretty confident that the, the road that divides what I teach and what the majority are doing is getting broader and broader. Now, I understand that the, the content from today's discussion is not a popular one, that people don't want to talk about it, don't want to think about it, just want to stick their head in the sand. But if the economic challenges, as I suggest, unfold as they, as they could over the next 5 to 15 years, then you've got to run out of oxygen. 
and life's going to get pretty uncomfortable with your head in the sand. So if you have an interest in this topic, we provide a, a vehicle, we provide an avenue for you people in physical preparation to move forward. I see no reason why a physical preparation coach should not enjoy the same income as any other higher socially approved occupations, including doctors, dentists, and lawyers. Over and above that, I believe we, we can achieve a higher quality of life, not just the same income, but a higher quality of life, as these aforementioned occupations. And I don't see anybody else with that vision or see any other teachings or courses with that vision. I do see some of the strategies that we've talked about, and I know mentoring programs that have a lot of people in them, and yet none of them, none of them, are living the dream that they're buying into. So I'm proud to say that the success of our coaches, including those on the call, they're living the lifestyle and they're receiving the income and the demand for their services that I'm speaking about. And there has never been a more important time, in my opinion, to secure your economic future than today. So until our next huddle, we're there.